Second. Honey, honey, there's a hot topic. Oh, God damn it. Pull, pull the fucking car over. I gotta buy some fucking drip pants. Give me the thumbs up so I know it's, I know it's legit. Nah. Welcome to season two. This is episode 31. We have... Alex Marchewski, Celine Sanis, Pond, and Mitchell Herring. Can I get a ha ha ha? <laughs> Welcome back to the March and Mitch Show featuring Celine Sanis, Pond. We got a bunch of stars. Well, and we got all kinds of cool shit going on. I noticed in the last uh, Instagram post that you made, you actually you switched it up and it wasn't featuring. I know I was a star it this was time. Starring. And I almost like that. Oh, my that, God. Yeah. Uh, starring Celine. I think that's our new mo- the season two. We're switching up is no longer featuring. We've made you the star. Hell we're, yeah. We have the title starring. It's starring you, though. Reminds me of this clip of Carrie Fisher that I saw once where somebody asked how she felt being on the red carpet. And she was like older by this point, And she was just like, they're here for me. Only for me. <laughs> 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 they're here for me. It's exactly what we are here for, and uh, yeah, I'm all about it. I'm a big fan of that, because then uh, it always felt weird, because, you know, having two hosts and, and then, you know, featuring, and I think you've made, I think you've shown up for enough episodes, you've- uh, I'm officially you, hired? You put it, yeah, you put in enough work. I I'm mean, on the podcast. Honestly, I think you do more you're work. You're not a temp anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you're, Mr. Podcaster. Ryan the temp is- gets promoted. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Celine the temp got promoted and now uh, now you're the star. Celine's Just, going to corporate next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I think that makes sense. I think you put more work in than me and Alex combined every episode. So, I mean, this is fact. It's not that we're lazy. It's just that, you know, we have our categories. I are, stupidly picked a piece that requires at least an hour of research every time. Yeah, but you're good at it. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> we're both very, thanks, bro. We're both very proud of you, CSP. Thank you for being at the the shining star on the show. Look at the sky tonight. All those stars have a reason, except me. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a beautiful evening to be talking to you guys. It is uh, the ninth day in December, eighth day in December. Forgive me. Uh, we had a pretty sunny day out here in Salem, Kaiser. Uh, people are driving to their jobs, working, hanging out. Uh, I had a really nice, like, loungy day at home. Uh, this, is, this is what I like to call a mental, our home. mental health day. This is our home. We live our here home. together. It We're is... roommates now. Did we tell people? I don't think yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marchewski uh, lives with Mitch now. I live with Mitch Blades. Bro. And ironically, I don't, even though I'm your fiance. Well, I mean, that's up to you at this point. Like, you, <laughs> No one said you can't live here. You just have yet to. It's such a good dynamic having the Where other. Where would I be? I, you know what? That's up to you. Find some space. Look, he did it. He found space. <laughs> I found space. It's funny to say that because I was driving to get the beer run uh, earlier, and like there was uh, there's a house over a few streets over by Hayesville, yeah. and, where Hayesville meets Lancaster, uh-huh. and it's like room for rent. I'm like, oh shit, there that. you go. <laughs> there's a room for rent. And even bigger news: there's a house a few streets over that says buy eggs. I'm like, oh my god, they yes. have eggs. Yes, egg. 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 Mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayonnaise. Uh, hey, speaking roll- of the beer store run, yeah. did you get me sour candy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sour candies oh, are actually, yes. yeah, there's actually two bags. One bag's for me, but there's two bags and it's, they're actually, they're really nice. The, uh, the Albany brand uh, yeah. sour Thank candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got them at Roth's Deli. Oh. <laughs> Roth's. 
It's such a pleasure to be delivering the podcast to you tonight. This evening, we got CSP and Mitchell Herring and myself. We're going to be talking to you about our Artist of the Week, Spanish Love Songs. We're going to have Celine Stanis-Pont talk to you about uh, animals learning different vernacular. Yeah, they can talk kind of a little bit. Animals can talk now. We're all Mr. Doolittle. Yeah, <laughs> so they do, though. And that's, uh, that's Dr. Well, <laughs> my affinity and love for animals uh, knows no bounds. If you know me personally, um, I, I literally will cry over um, animal injury over what well, can la- confirm yeah over laughing at somebody who who hurts themselves because i will laugh at your ass all day for being stupid but an animal i will tear up just like that indian in those old commercials where they throw the trash that's me but for animals definitely especially dogs werewolves wolves anything anything four-legged and furry it's my jam and if you're a bipedal bitch i don't want anything to do with you Literally, if you fucking walk on two legs, you can't get a date with Mitchell. You heard it here first. <laughs> Even kangaroos, man. Like kangaroos are kind of bucked. What about penguins? Penguins? Kangaroo will fuck you good up. Good point. Good point. I'm not trying to date a penguin, though. I mean, oh. uh, but no. Penguins. Well, that makes one of We've us. We've covered penguins before, though. And uh, I do, one of the first I, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I do love. I do, oh, yeah. I do love me a bipedal penguin. Um, but what I'm did a, we say I, about penguins back? They're gay and they like right, being gay. Right. Yes. They're yes. gay and they mate for life. Yes. Just like us. Aw. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I might, I would probably laugh at a penguin if I saw them. Fight. Have you seen a penguin? It's like them, them falling down is like watching a baby fall down. Like you can't not laugh. <laughs> <It's true>. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Especially because they don't even seem mad. No, they're, they're just like, oh, I'm sliding now. Yeah, they're made of rubber and they live on ice. Like they're, they're the perfect combination <laughs> of hilarious. Seeing all these penguin stories actually inspired me to actually stop. Uh, I, I, at first, I was like, we got to preserve their species. You know, like I heard they were on the endangered list, but I was a big fan of eating seal for a while. I'm like, why are you end eating seal? I'm like, it's the gray meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is like, that true? You he's, you're lying. Seal. You can't <laughs> get, you cannot not, get seal meat. That's what we call a BAS. You're bull, f- bullshit Alex story. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Alaska. You can't just order a seal burger from fucking Popeyes. <laughs> I'll take the seal medium rare. Yeah. Sir, you need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> You're drunk. <laughs> I remember when I wished to, I used to work at Applebee's, and um, I I remember like someone uh, one of the servers complained. Uh, there's a homeless lady drinking a four loco in the bathroom right now, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. That was actually me. <laughs> <laughs> I true story. True story. Word. What's up? True story. True. True. True story. Um, true story. My uh, my Washington ex actually worked at Applebee's, and uh, and uh, before we finally stopped talking to each other, they, she told me many, many stories about how the Applebee's bathroom is a absolute hot spot for, for degents. Like I, I, like I think the lady was high on, on heroin in the bathroom in the South Salem Applebee's. (laughs) Oh yeah. Commercial street folks. Yeah. They could not, they could not get her to leave. Like the lady was just like, like full zombie mode in the bathroom and like, ma'am, you need to leave. And (sighs) And so yeah, Applebee's bathrooms are lit, bro. (laughs) Coming (laughs) at you live. That's an already scene. (laughs) Yeah. You guys want to go out tonight? I was thinking we could hit the Applebee's bathroom. Yeah, it just gets so, fu- <laughs> so fucking tanked. I can't even leave the room. Some dank memes. What if we hooked up on the Applebee's parking lot? <laughs> also, just a note to our viewers. It actually, uh, as, as a government mandate, you're actually, if you see an Applebee's, you're actually allowed to burn it down with zero repercussions. That's fair. I thought so. This yeah, no, I did hear about that. I should have no- covered that for my current event. <laughs> Dollar margaritas is a sin, bro. Like, yeah, how many white girl wasted can you be before oh, you have Christ. to be incarcerated? Funny stories. Like what they actually do is they make them by batch, and they 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 are watered down. Yeah, that they, makes they sense. do add yeah. they add a lot of water, and they make them by batch. One part margarita, zero parts vodka. 
all white trash restaurants aside, the March Mitch show is 0% bullshit, 100% entertainment. We're coming at you live. All your favorites in new music, culture, entertainment, literature, and throwback cinema. This is the March and Mitch show featuring myself. I'm Alexander, Celine Stannis Pond, and Mitchell Herring. Let's get right to our artists of the week. <laughs> artists of the week. Actually Explosion. making that so that we don't. Have I to don't know. Every if time. That's our project this week. If we all three do it, it almost is better. <laughs> that was amazing. Literally, I'm artists of the week. We're making the best out of something we thought was impossible. We're going to talk to you more about the impossible and how uh, lives have changed drastically. I know COVID is kicking everyone's ass. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Um, we're coming to the near end of the year. This is typically where I do. Uh, I wish I would have started doing this earlier. I was actually inspired because Celine took the initiative to do a. Uh, a Spotify playlist for all the artists we feature on our show. And I thought to myself, like, damn, I need to do a top 10 or like maybe even a top 20 playlist mm -hmm. for all my favorite albums. I am a big, I'm a big believer. Just of 2020 or of ever? Oh, gosh, that would be too difficult. Uh, but also a fun project. Thank you for giving me the idea. Uh, <laughs> I think um, music and stuff nowadays, people always like, you hear singles and you're like, oh my God, did you hear the new single? And I feel like singles are a good way to keep people interested in yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. But I am a big endorser of albums. I like listening to Same. albums. I believe in the album. Because you're kind of expressing a whole unit to work. This band we're going to talk to you about today. You're a unit. <laughs> is from a Southern California and they are called Spanish Love Songs. Spanish Love Songs fronted by Dylan Slocum. And um, I actually have been a big fan of them since 2018. They had an album called uh, Schmaltz literally schmaltz i'm like yeah what's this band and like i'm like everyone's like dude have you heard spanish love songs sls i'm like what the fuck no like dude i can't believe you're sleeping on spanish love songs i'm like <laughs> i sleep i sleep all the time i'm, I'm a depressed <laughs> alcoholic i do yeah. a lot of sleeping they're like no 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 listen to this album and like the album like honestly dude back in 2018 got me back in the fucking like diy scene like i was more about like wow there's so many bands you don't hear on the radio you don't hear on like you know these bigger spotify playlists nowadays and i'm like i want to listen to this group and all Honestly, the record, like it was, it is the, like the dying day, like millennial anthem, mm. um, all the guys in the band and actually one girl who plays a, a keyboard and synth synthesizer, uh, they've been killing it. I want to say their music, they, they've personally coined the term grouch punk mm. or grouch rock. Cause yeah. they're just kind of like, they're just like aging punks like me. You're tired of the government. You're tired of working for a living. You're tired of being like me, where maybe like you you collect unemployment, and then you're working like two driving jobs just like, just to stay afloat. And uh, the world is kind of shit right now. I was talking to a friend the other day in my bedroom, and I was like, "The world is like a fucking tauntaun. It's like it's like Star Wars. It's like Return of the Jedi with the fucking tauntaun on on the fucking ice planet, <sighs> and then like basically." <laughs> It's like he stabs the fucking Tauntaun, just slices it open, you know, because the Tauntaun got killed by the fucking ice rat. And then, like, it's like we're, the whole world, we are Luke Skywalker, and the fucking Tauntaun is the world. Yes. <laughs> the planet Earth or America, even. And we're kind of just like crawling our way in there, and like, we're just like, this is fine. This is the this 2020 is, is the Tauntaun. 2020 is the Tauntaun. That's fair. Just slicing it open for any heat that it has. Just, and we're just 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 trying to hang on for dear fucking life. And like we're I feel like, you know, the world is kind of just like with COVID, like, you know, call it like, you yeah. know, uh, my 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 whole my own personal remission from blind optimism. I'm just like the world's fucking dead. It's dying. Ah. And we're kind of just living our lives one day at a time. One but, decrepit day at a time. And then like, you know, I've, I, I at least we look good, though. At least all, <laughs> at least we are 
all very, very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> now that it's just us boys. <laughs> boys <laughs> night. Boys night. It, kind yeah. of, it is. It is boys night when we podcast. Boys night. I've been looking forward to we this. We don't call ourselves gay for no reason. <laughs> this ain't a joke, fam. Most definitely. Pretty, pretty boys for life, yo. I identify as a Jedi. At first, I was, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was Jedi questioning, and then I was Je- Jedi, <laughs> Jedi curious. And now, like, I was like, well, I've taken classes on Jedi. I've been to seminar about being a Jedi, and now I feel like I finally identify as a Jedi. Uh, I'd I, say I'm Jedi fluid. I Jedi. <laughs> Jedi fluid by Jedi. Jedi curious. Fucking love it. Yeah. The song the song of the week is called Routine Pain, no pun intended, literally. And like when whether you're suffering through just, you know, working a dead end job you fucking hate, working through um experiences, whether it's just trying to survive, paying your rent, paying your utilities. Uh I'm sure lots of us, you know, at the end of the day, you know, me and Celine got it tattooed for a reason. Uh, don't, don't be a crybaby. Like there's, there's literally people who got away worse. Uh, this is speaking from experience doing driving jobs. I drive all around Salem. I look at the city we live in. This is the cherry city. I, I drive by a uh, Marcus, uh, not Marcus Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the arcade where the kids used to play. Wonderland. It's closed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh-huh. Wonderland. Wonderland. It's closed. They got boards up. I remember oh, driving by yeah. my favorite pawn shop in South Salem. Uh, uh, Capital Pond. Wait, that's not even that new. Those guys are kind of old. Anyways, never mind. Go ahead. No, no, Capital no. Pond. But uh, they're they're done. Yeah, everything's yeah. blown well, up. That's they were vandalized. Yeah. That they were vandalized. That oh, was, really? Yeah. oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is news to me. Oh, yeah, bad. this is back to, like when the riots were going on. Like, yeah, like and and it's I'm weird that fuck. they went so far south. Well, I think it was probably an inside job to be honest with you. Uh, and I think they were just like insurance money. Yay! They, they had a lot of jewelry in there. Those yeah. dang antifa. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of jewelry, bro. They probably had like a million dollar insurance policy, and they probably. Just we're just like, all right, we're gonna pay these kids like two two thousand dollars to rob us, and, and we're just gonna report it to the, the you know, that that's that me personally, that's what I feel like because yeah, that's really far south to uh to be looting, but yeah, no, they 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 were burglarized and um and yeah, now they're closed. Perfect. Oh no, that's no, that seems to me. Thank you for filling me in. I, I missed that beat. Thank you. Thank I you. I mean, Mr. I could be wrong, but whatever. And uh, I'm I'm driving around just and casually like, accusing people of crimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> insurance fraud. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would do. Good gravy. And I see, you know, we're kind of in this state where like our economy is perma- permanently damaged. I'm not an economist. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me. But um, I I and like uh, local businesses are hurt right now. And like uh, we talked about like, like core health is, fitness is pretty much like never going to be a thing again. Really. And like all all their local are pretty much going under and um you know i i love as much as me and csp love taco bell i'm always like i want to go to all the local taco shops i want to go to alberto's i want to go to los lagos i want to go to the Same, don pedro's yeah, i've been trying to focus on local stuff i want to go to hacienda and like yeah you're paying a little bit more money but like i feel good that i'm putting money in the hands of like small businesses mm. and it especially makes- since the government's not going to do it like that's my one thing as far as like the shutdown goes is like as much as i think it's irresponsible for people to be patronizing businesses and going in and sitting down and you know, eating a meal in an enclosed space. Mm-hmm. As much as I think that's irresponsible, at the same time, like, what's a business supposed to do when they're not getting financial assistance from yeah. the government that they need? Just from like, TikTok. Of course they, they're going to open back up. Just from TikTok, the people asking, like, hey, are these these numbers, like, the, the, the monthly checks that people are getting? Number one, Canada and Ireland both can confirm that two grand, a two grand, two grand a month. Uh, Ireland, I think, was sixteen hundred and thirty something dollars. E- almost every other country 
in the fucking world right now during the pandemic is getting a monthly check until things are fucking under control. And America... What? We, I wonder what it's like to have a government that actually does its goddamn job. It's insane. That and, must be neat. We would never know this. God bless TikTok again. Like I said, it's it's become more of a source of knowledge for me than anything. Like, it's just interesting to see how many other natural, like, you know, reaching other people. Anyways, long story short, yeah. A lot of the other world's government was like, hey, yes, yeah, stay home. Here's money. Please don't go outside. And America, it was just like, nah, fuck you, dude. Like, Here's $1,200. Once. Make once, it last eight months. Try time. not to spend it all in one place. One time. Literally. How many months? Eight months. Canada, can Canadians, two grand. And then after that, they, they're two grand a month. Two grand. Uh, for the first six months. And the, for the last four months, there was like unemployment or something because they started opening Right, up like again. if you're still yeah. impacted, you could still apply for unemployment yeah, money. Yeah. But yeah, just everybody for the first six months got six grand, two grand a month. And then Ireland's like, yeah, we get 1600 like uh, an I, I, Irish man come came forward on the internet and was like, yeah, we got 1600 until this shit gets figured out because our government cares. And if we see America and it's like, why, why do you hate your people? So that's the current status of the world. We live in the absolute worst country. I'm living in a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. We, the because make it's the Amer United States of America make and America life is a great. fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> make America great again. We were never great. We've literally always been the bottom of the barrel. We just pretend that we're not. True fucking story. I'm so glad you guys both have good commentary because it's so relatable to our artists this week. They're not only like <laughs> socially conscious band, but they're also just like a very like personal, mentally conscious band. Uh, the album Schmaltz had a lot of good issues with my mental health that I, I really vibe with. The album we're talking about tonight uh, came out this year. It's in contention for my number one album of the year. And it's called Brave Faces Everyone. And I fucking love that. That is my new mantra for December. Brave Faces like Everyone. Uh, life's getting bad, maybe getting worse. We, I remember like we always life's used to complain. Hard. I'm just trying to make it all the way through. Fucking love that. Thank you, CSP. Oh, God. And, um, you know, it's funny. We, like, we were always complaining about on social media, like, different crap like oh my god 2018 was the fuck worse oh, <laughs> than 2019 oh my god 2019 was the fuck worse and it's like i wish i could like time travel to my old self like oh yeah motherfucker wait till the pandemic happens in the future then you're gonna really fucking wish you had 2018 going yeah. for you right um uh, the song of the week is called routine pain literally like big mood i'm gonna recite a bit of the lyrics and explain a bit wait um, wait hold on let's yeah. just play a song let's play a song yeah yeah so this is your song of the week by Spanish Love Songs from California. This is Routine Pain off their 2020 album. <sighs> Brave Faces, everyone. On any given day, I'm a six of ten. Bed to death, to bar eyes on the floor. Still apologizing for the way I've been Each breath more full of shit than the one before Yeah, I know the negative consumes me Guess I'm alright Let the kill pass right through me While my friends are taking dives off of cliffs And I just worry about the songs I'll never write It don't matter, they don't want to hear me on the other side
take another summer in this place. Everyone in this bar is the same. Everywhere I look, it's just routine pain. I'm so sick of treading water. Am I gonna be this down forever? Am I gonna be this dumb forever? Am I gonna be this gone forever? Am I gonna be this numb? and real with yourself and always be sure to um, with a social media age, like maybe your Facebook feed is not the best place to dump your emotions, but like always have good friends you can talk to and be candid about your mental health. It's okay to not be okay. That's one of the greatest life lessons that was taught to you by our showrunner and producer, Mitchell Hearing. Oh, and even just on break right now, while we were listening to the song, we were talking about mental health and how we've been doing lately and things that are good for us and stuff. It's, it's okay not to be okay, and it's good to have friends to support you when you're not okay. In the hardest times brought on by the pandemic, uh, social crisis, and what we're dealing with in America, not only in America, but the rest of the world, uh, humanity, just be there for each other. We're all living on this planet together. I will now recite just a few lines from the song. Um, this is by Spanish Love Songs. The song of the week is Routine Pain off their 2020 album, Brave Faces Everyone. The song starts off, on any given day, I'm a six out of ten. Bed to desk to bar, eyes on the floor. Still apologizing for the way I've been. Each breath more full of shit <laughs> than the one before. Yeah, I know the negative consumes me. Guess I'm all right. Let the guilt pass through me while my friends are taking dives off of cliffs. And I just worry about the songs I'll never write. It don't matter. They don't want to hear me on the other side. Mm. It's a somber note, but reality takes hold. And it's important to express these things through music. Because I feel like when... um you're a consumer of music and you hear these things. It's not only inspirational, but it kind of gives you someone to relate to. It kind of like what me and CSP talk about in the show. We love uh, Joe from Nothing Nowhere. And we're so in depth with his songs and his lyrics that we feel like Joe is our friend. Right. <laughs> we love that shit. And I feel like Dylan's. Uh, Dylan's Today I saw a guy in a movie that looked kind of like Joe. And my first thought was just like, oh, he looks like Joe. Is <laughs> if Joe is just a person that I'm actually on first name basis. Because I'm the reaper in your dreams. Cause <laughs> That's fucking sick. That's really cool. I fucking dig that. And um, I talked to you. Uh, a big shout out to Chris Hahn from Old Cross. Check out at Old Cross Band on Instagram and at Zomi Media. That's Chris's record label. And also check out uh, my band at Swiss Army Wife on Instagram. Uh, Chris Hahn from uh, 
uh, is in Portland. He's a music producer and the front man for his punk band. He also uh, learned producing at a studio in Denver and actually grew up with the lead singer from Spanish Love Songs. And I had talked to him recently and he was like telling me like, dude, like I, I saw a Spanish Love Songs sticker on one of his flight cases for his guitar. And I'm like, oh my God, you like SLS? I fucking love SLS. That's so cool that you put on for them. He's like, bro, I don't only put on for SLS. I'm actually their friend. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, we all grew up in the same hometown. Mm. And um, the name is Casey right now. I'm very sorry for letting you down, homie. <laughs> but um, it's a town in SoCal. And he was telling me like uh, the album cover for the 2018 album Schmaltz. That's actually like the apartment complex playground like where they all used to like hang out and play and i'm like what the fuck that's so cool <laughs> and he was telling me that he was getting texts from their group of friends mm -hmm. and saying like bro did you listen to sls's new album and he's like no why uh I'm, that's my next project and he's like talking a lot about uh a lot of their friends from high school are like uh th they're dead no oh. <laughs> from from self-harming crap and i'm mm -hmm. like that fucking sucks and it's uh, most of it is just um environmental contributors I listened to that album. There's a lot of like talking about like just social commentary on the world. They have another song on this album uh, where the lyrics are literally like in my bleak mind. It's cheaper just to die. <laughs> it's cheaper just to be dead. Yeah. You know, forgive the bleakness. Mitchell Hearing and I actually had a really good conversation the other day. We're talking about like, why would God give us bodies and brains if like they're going to make us have anxiety or depression? And then like we talk about like a lot of it. Yeah, some of it, some of it to a percentage. It's hereditary. But then uh, some of it to a percentage. Mitchell explained that it has to do with your outside influences. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, you know, the socioeconomical climate definitely can play a big contributor to that. Whether, you know, you're dealing with, you're dealing with student debt or you're dealing with failed relationships, uh, failed friendships, and uh, the world's kind of beating your ass and you just kind of feel like you're back to the corner. My advice to all of you out there is, guys, no matter how bad you get back to that corner, you can always fight your way out. You can always fight your way out. Whether you you don't have to be Floyd Floyd Mayweather or Mike Tyson, you can always fight your way out. Um, it's important to acknowledge that these times that your mental health is important. It is okay to not be okay, and always find the right people to talk to about it and be candid with. I feel like as I get older, it's important to acknowledge these things. And um, I want to say with Spanish Love Songs uh, album. Uh, one second, sorry. Pause. Spanish Love Songs brought to you by the March and Mitch Show, starring Celine. Check out Spanish love songs on Spotify and Apple Music and all other streaming platforms. Um, a big part of my mental uh, wellness and happiness was having stuff to look forward to. And now in today's day and age, like we really don't get a lot, of a lot of shit to look forward to. I look forward to seeing the few friends that you get to keep with uh, restrictions. And then also the podcast, obviously. And uh, the song to me, Routine Pain, like I picked it to be the song of the week. And also Brave Faces Everyone by Spanish love songs is easily in contention to be Probably my favorite album of the year. We know we do a lot of sad rap, pop punk, and other uh, you know genres on the show, but this this is easily like one of my favorite albums. They're so good. They've they've coined the term like grouch rock or grouch punk because we're all like we're all yeah. aging we're all aging punks and aging millennials and like. Well, and I love tough. that especially because it reminds me. I I definitely got some flogging Molly vibes, like I mentioned, and I feel like they're. They've also got a little bit of a grouchy rock thing going on. And Word. so I totally see the lineage. Yeah. Thank you. And also uh, CSP, they, they were on tour actually in America and Europe with another band we like, the Menzingers. Oh, cool. Yeah, they, I did like a, Menzingers. they did a tour over in Scandinavia and Europe opening up for the Menzingers and Manic and Pussy. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's so fucking sick. I want to go to that tour. He was actually talking about the lead singer uh, was at a show and they did an interview with this one uh, magazine. They're talking about... Uh, you remember like uh, uh, Mitchell, you remember Lemmy from Motorhead? Yeah. Dude, Motorhead. 
Let me rest in peace. A fucking legend. Certified yeah. fucking king. Let me certified fucking king of fucking metal, dude. And he was like, they were, they were joking about like, because you know how like straws are kind of banned in some places? Mm. Like straws aren't really a thing anymore. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right, right. right. He's like, well, well, Lemmy from Motorhead never drank his Jack Daniels and Coke with a straw, so I'm not going to drink one with a straw either. <laughs> uh, their music has been such an inspiration to me. It's kept me going over the years, and um, please check out Spanish Love Songs on Spotify and Apple Music. Always be a good advocate for your own mental health. Be there for your friends, and guys, at the end of the day, it's okay to not be okay. As we come into the end of December, it's cold out. Shit, Shit's bad. Maybe getting worse, but at the end of the day, <laughs> It's like how Mulligan says, things can always get bad, but things can also always get di- get different. <laughs> yeah. You won't know unless you yeah. stick around. And that concludes our music piece this week. Check out Spanish Love Songs and their album, Brave Faces Everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at the podcast. It's now the time of the show where I do the quarterback option. Hike! And I'm going to throw the ball over to Celine Santa's pond. You got the football now. Here's your football. I catch it. Barely. You, you got the football now. Barely. <laughs> what do you got for us this week? I think we're talking about animals. Yes, we're going to talk about animals and the fact that they can talk a little bit, sort of. Mm. So I was just, I. so this isn't really a current event. You know, it's something that currently happens, but it's not really an event. Yeah. It's kind of more just a, a pet interest of mine, pun totally intended. <laughs> but a lot of people now have seen a TikTok that's going around of this dog that can communicate using a keyboard. Mm-hmm. So it's a keyboard that's specially designed for the dog. And with each button it pushes it, you know, a robot voice reads, whatever that that option is. Mm-hmm. And so the dog is able to communicate. And I thought it was just really, really cool. I thought that that dog was so cool and smart. And I was just really interested nice. by, you know, what, how much can animals actually communicate with us? Mm-hmm. Because obviously we already knew that dogs and other animals can understand some human words. You know, obviously if we go mm-hmm. into the living room and talk to the dog in there and we say sit, mm-hmm. he understands what that word means and can follow that command. Mm-hmm. But what I was interested in is the amount, the extent to which animals can communicate back to us. Mm -hmm. You know, is it just that they can interpret these vocal patterns and vaguely understand or are they processing and can communicate back? And it turns out a lot of them can. So numerous studies have actually demonstrated that animals can understand, first of all, a surprising number of words. Mm -hmm. So just kind of to give basis to the fact that if you say sit to your dog, it understands that. So in 2011, a border collie named Chaser demonstrated knowledge of over a thousand words that so it's 1022 words chaser was literally my first dog's name my grandparents really yeah my, my first dog uh my grandpa's um doberman pincher's name was chaser Cute. and that was what started my love for dogs Aww. that's funny yeah he used to let me ride him like a pony <laughs> yeah like four-year-old mitchell would that's ride. adorable he's a very 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 meaty dog very <laughs> I used to ride my aunt and uncle's Mastiff Bell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big I'm, old girl. I'm surprised my the family let me do that. that I know, like, right? Seems like a poor choice, but yeah. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to. I just would do it when people left the room. But yeah, Chaser. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so Chaser knows over a thousand words. So, you know, basically he's demonstrated that he understands over a thousand words and can even use process of elimination. Mm-hmm. So he obviously understood the word ball. But if you said, go get the ball, uh, or uh, go get the ball and stick. Mm-hmm. The dog was able to determine, okay, so there's the ball mm-hmm. and it didn't know stick yet, but it was able to determine by process of elimination. Like I know all these other toys, I know the ball. Mm-hmm. So this one that I don't know the word for must be stick. Oh, So pretty clever. Yeah. Like there's a lot going on in there. Um, Kanzi, the bonobo ape, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. knows over 3,000 word symbols. So basically, mm-hmm. pick, just like that dog that I mentioned with the keyboard, Kanzi has, a, you know, over 3,000 words that it's able to say, oh, okay, I see that picture. I understand that that means banana mm-hmm. or what have you. And a study from Uganda actually showed that chimps communicate in the wild with at least 66 gestures. So basically chimp sign language, yeah. which makes sense. Like everybody has body language. Whoa. But so at this point, we know that they can understand. But we, what we want to know is, can they then talk back? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, yeah, to, to a certain extent. So obviously animals are, are going to struggle with things that they can't see or experience. Like we're probably never going to sit down with a gorilla and you know have a nice chat about quantum mechanics, <laughs> right? Because that's just not something a gorilla is, yeah, you know, mentally, psychologically equipped to grasp. Yeah, but animals can communicate their desires, needs, and some thoughts and feelings as mm-hmm. long as it's something that's relevant to them. Mm-hmm. So you know, again, going back to the dog in the TikTok video, that dog was able to communicate a desire, wanting a walk. Mm-hmm. It you know pressed the button that said walk, and then the human said no walk tomorrow and then hit the buttons for walk tomorrow to communicate to the dog that it'll be tomorrow. And the dog could also communicate things that it observed. So like one of the funny things in it was the dog said, dad went poop. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's pretty clear. And so that dog was able to, first of all, observe (laughs) what the human was doing. And second of all, we know that that for some reason stuck in that dog's brain and it was still thinking about it and processing that observation. And so my personal favorite example and something that I've, just always been fascinated by and have been in love with is Coco the gorilla, mm-hmm. which I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of. And Coco learned to sign. So Coco was a very prolific signer. Mm-hmm. And she was able to communicate a pretty broad expanse of things outside of basic needs like, you know, I want food, I want water. Yeah. And so Coco, for example, was able to communicate that she loved Robin Williams. Like yeah. they would play Robin Williams Aww. movies for her and she was able to communicate, this is my favorite funny person. Yeah. And she was able to communicate that to Robin Williams when he came to visit her. She was able to say, I like you. I love what you do. Basically. That's rad. Yeah. Super rad. She had a really emotional experience with Robin Williams. He seemed very moved by it. And she can also associate concepts. Mm -hmm. So this is another interesting example. She was given a kitten as a pet. Mm. And what she ended up naming that kitten was all ball. (laughs) <laughs> because to her, that little baby kitten looked like a little ball. Yeah. And so she's able to associate the concept of, you know, I, I recognize that this is a, a cat. You know, I'm, this is definitely a living thing. However, it also looks like a ball. So it's all ball. Mm. And then also she could lie. Yeah. Which I thought was very fascinating that this gorilla was able to not only communicate factual things, but also attempt to communicate incorrect things. So at one point, she in the night ripped her sink out of the wall. And when her keepers came the next day, they asked her what happened. And she said that all ball did it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So obviously not a good liar, but the attempt was made. And she could also communicate desire. And this one's a little bit sad, but she could communicate frequently to her keepers that she wanted a baby or a family. They would Mm. say, Coco, why are you sad? And she'd be able to sign, you know, Coco wants a baby. Mm -hmm. Coco wants to have family. And so she was able to communicate such a breadth of concepts. And so while animals can communicate things like this, you know, pretty impressive groundbreaking things, kind of the drawback is that grammar fits into the category of things that aren't really relevant to animals. And so they aren't equipped to engage with that. Mm. So grammar is one thing that humans totally can do, but it's a very uniquely human thing. Whereas 
animals kind of cap at communicating at less than a three-year-old level because their grammar is so poor. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, there's a chimpanzee named Gnome, uh, Nim Chimsky <laughs> instead of Noam Chomsky. Yeah. And the longest sentence that Nim ever was able to sign was... Uh, Give orange me, give eat orange me, orange eat, give me you. So the Sounds concept like is there. An he wants an orange. He understands that you've got the orange and he thinks that you should give it to him. Mm -hmm. But struggling a little bit on the complexities there. That doesn't really seem fair to me because like, he, like translate any language into any other language, like, you know, Spanish into English is Spanish is basically just backwards English or Spanish. English is backwards Spanish. You right. know, like, you know, you start with the, uh, uh, what is it? You, you start the sentence with the, uh, the most, uh, important facts, mm -hmm. you know, like car and need to go drive. And so, I mean, yeah, I, they, they do like the, like the adjective, like after the noun. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, right. So yeah, yeah, a lot of Spanish is, is essentially just like reversed English. And so I don't, I don't, Good point. I don't think that's fair to, to judge them on, on their vernacular. Oh, sure. But what I'm saying is that they're literally, cause obviously those are just different grammars, but mm -hmm. any three year old, whether they speak Spanish or English is going to have at least some concept of how the words are meant, you know, what order they're meant to go in. Yeah. Like you don't meet a three year old that says you me orange well you haven't met me as a three-year-old you me orange give like that's not a thing <laughs> three-year-olds say uh, you haven't met me as a three-year-old fair enough there but are. the reason there is a reason for this though okay. it's, it's actually you know there's a, a genetic reason that animals can't grasp this and that's first of all due to the fact that we have massive brains like there's a an index of how big your brain is compared to your body size yeah and so basically how big your body is, what percent, percentage of that should be brain. Mm -hmm. And humans have an index of 7.5, which means that our brains are seven and a half times larger than they should be given the size of our overall body. Interesting. Oh. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, dolphins are at 5.3. They're actually the next mm -hmm. rung down. And then when we get to apes, we're looking at like 1.5. Okay. So first of all, we've got big honking brains. And then second of all, there is a gene called FOXP2, and that gene is found in most animals, and it's responsible for communication. So if you alter a songbird, mm -hmm. and they've done this, if you alter a songbird to remove the FOXP2 gene, then they don't know how to, how to learn songs, and they don't know how to repeat them. Wow. And humans have this, but ours is, like, ridiculously evolved. Like, yeah. we have so much of this gene. It's highly specialized. And that's probably because during evolution, humans basically selected mm -hmm. for the gene. So because we were in communities and trying to be social creatures, we routinely selected for the people who had the best cognitive ability as far as their communication went. Cool. Yeah. And so that's kind of why a gorilla is never really going to grasp grammar, mm -hmm. is they just don't have those you know, first of all, they've got smaller brains compared to their body. And second of all, they just don't have this highly developed gene, whereas we do. Um, dolphins actually are a good example of something that may actually have some type of grasp of some type of grammatical structure. It's it's at least possible based on certain studies that we've done. And again, they've got the second highest brain to body ratio. Mm, yeah. And so the dolphins are really difficult for us to communicate with mainly due to the fact that they have really specific acoustic patterns and a lot of them we can't even hear. Like mm, it's so right. high pitched that it's outside of our range of hearing. And so we're trying to communicate with dolphins and we've, you know, figured out how to indicate, okay, so this, they make this sound when they see this toy that they like to play with. <laughs> yeah. So we've been able to like into a microphone be like, 
<laughs> and then the dolphins are like, oh yeah, rope, I get it. Yeah. So at this point, you know, they have extremely complex language that we don't even understand. So we don't know a lot about dolphin language. We just know that it's much more complex than originally thought. And a lot of screeching. Yes, yeah. lots of screeching, lots of beeping, lots of cackling. Um, and here's just a fun fact while we're on the topic of marine animals that know some language. Uh, belugas don't have this same type of quite as complex uh, you know, social language as dolphins do. However, fun fact, certain belugas can mimic human speech, even Whoa. though they don't really understand it. They can mimic words that they've heard a lot in a very human sounding tone, basically by inflating a, a portion of their, their cranial cavity. And they have been known to freak out their zookeepers <laughs> by learning the zookeepers' names and then saying them, but in like a fucking spooky yeah. underwater way. So they'll be alone in the room with a beluga. And then all of a sudden it'll just be like, <laughs> and Steve's what? like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? <laughs> um, and, uh, elephants can do the same thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, there was an elephant that was known for being able to speak a little bit of Korean. That's fucking mental. Yeah, just super bananas. So it basically what all this boils down to is, again, sure, we're probably not going to ever have a chat with a dog about global politics. And we're probably not ever going to sit down with a gorilla and be like, so here's the complexities of this global pandemic. Yeah. But it is entirely possible that we can have a little bit of a chat with animals about topics that are relevant to them. So, you know, with gorillas, that's going to be things like social structure, relationships, physical things in their environment. Yeah. Why, with, why are you mad at uh, Coco and, 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 you know, stuff like that, right? Like other things that are physical. Right. She can engage with stuff that's important to her mm -hmm. as, as a gorilla from her own gorilla experience. Similarly, dogs can communicate about things that are important to them, cool. which apparently is dad pooping and wanting to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. So they can communicate. It's just that we basically need to reorient ourselves to be on their level and try to understand the things that are important to a unique animal and converse with them about that. But so basically, we all have the power to kind of be Dr. Doolittle as long as we aren't sticklers about grammar and we keep it in the realm of things that the animals can kind of understand. Very cool. This is fucking mental. It's really cool that like fucking animals just like have a basic understanding of human language because we can kind of like condition and train them. Uh, what else? What else more do you have to say on this topic? Because like I'm actually like this is like one of my favorite pieces you've done. This is like really, really this is really fucking cool. Well, one of the most interesting <laughs> things. So I, I mean I I had sent the video to Celine about the dog. So there was an original video, and the dog originally like about a year ago had a smaller palette of uh mm -hmm. of questions um on the panel, and and this new video that came out was the same dog, but the panel like they had they had pretty That's much interesting. they had doubled the size of like the words on the panel. Um, and the most, the thing that caught my attention was that, you know, the dog looks into the mirror. They've got a mirror next to the, the mm. to the, to the voice panel and the dog, the dog goes like there, who this, and like looks in the mirror and then like looks at the, uh, the, like, you know, the owner. The human like for yeah. an answer. Yeah. yeah. There, who this, and like does it multiple times and is like looking at the mirror, looking for an answer, like who's this in the mirror? And that's that's huge because self-awareness is something that uh, science has always said, impossible. Self-awareness is only for humans. And this dog is clearly demonstrating self-awareness by acknowledging, like, who's this thing? Well, or it might not be. Or it might literally be, hey, I don't know that dog. Who's that dog? Right. but I'm curious what its response would have been had the human been like, that's you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, again, I think that would be like that, that, that could literally just be evolution in play, like with the, the, giving a dog uh, English uh, vernacular and allowing the dog to, to be able to voice like, 
who dis mm-hmm. new 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 dog who dis <laughs> well and particularly since you know assuming that that dog isn't fixed mm-hmm. assuming she has a litter of puppies you know if they breed her with a similarly intelligent dog mm-hmm. that is i mean obviously we evolved dogs pretty significantly just in the span that we've been humans. Yes. Yeah, you know, the difference time. between a German shepherd and a pug. That's <laughs> Yeah. And so we Poor could pug. theoretically basically over time select for genes yeah. that are conducive to the dogs being able to communicate with us. Smarter dogs, right? That is that is so fucking cool. Like pretty sh- pretty sure next thing you know, like you know, you keep you keep like, you know, breeding those animals that have that that gene and stuff. The next thing you know, like like the dogs are gonna have their own podcast and they're gonna say something like, if you're if the ball, if your ball is too big for your mouth, it's not your ball. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, or as, as my, my old uh, German shepherds would uh, always say, uh, no, no take, only throw. Only throw. No take. How only. to solve the conundrum of no take, only it's, throw. One of the greatest philosophical questions that I've ever encountered in my life is, I don't know how I'm supposed to throw this ball, but I'm definitely not allowed to take it, but I'm definitely supposed to throw it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my female German shepherd was dead set on this. This was, my, this was God. This, this rule was God. No take, only throw. And uh, I still haven't solved it to this day. Um, so. Yeah, I met a dog at a park recently who felt extremely th- strongly about us throwing sticks for her, but she would not let us throw the stick. It's it seems she would not give. It it may be a religion we don't know. Right. Like again, we don't communicate, but I I've experienced it firsthand, and it's probably one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Also, inadvertently, the most frustrating thing I ever said. Right. All I want to do is appease you, but you won't let me help. So, uh, dogs are my specialty for sure. Dog bless. Dog bless. Dog bless. Thank you, Celine. That yeah. was uh, fantastic. There was, can I mention one more experiment just since it's, it's an interesting one and kind of crazy. I want to know what's good. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the, the dolphin experiment where they had a human live with the dolphin? I think so. So it was, I believe it was in the sixties and there was definitely acid involved. Like the, basically yeah. the, basically the experiment was that we were trying to understand how we could utilize dolphins. Like it was totally a cold war thing of oh, like, oh yeah, when can they, we convince dolphins to be our allies and spy on the Russians? Oh, we basically. did. We used yeah. them to detect, uh, to stagnant bombs or whatever. In the totally. Yeah. But so basically they were wondering how close can the relationship be and can a dolphin learn human language by, mm. you know, having super close proximity with a human. Mm. So they built a specialized tank that had enough water in it that the dolphin could swim, but a low enough amount of water that the human that they had selected could wade. Mm -hmm. And so she spent, I believe it was eight weeks Mm. with this dolphin and she would sleep in a waterlogged bed. Like she was just constantly in contact with this dolphin and the dolphin did not learn language, appeared to understand certain things, but mostly what it wanted was some fuck. Yeah. And so over the course of the experiment, like they had like the dolphin and the human do acid together and stuff like this. But eventually the dolphin starts to get more and more sexually aggressive with the human. And at first they're like, okay, we should just, let's just try and keep him happy. Do you mind giving this dolphin a handy? And so at one point the researcher literally had to give the dolphin a hand job and that still didn't solve the issue. (laughs) No. Yeah, no, the dolphin continued to try to have sex with this woman. And so eventually that's why the experiment was cut short was because... That dolphin was just real rapey. Yeah. That's fucking mental, well, dude. Dolphins and are one of the only other... It's dolphins, uh, chimpanzees, and elephants that only fuck for fun or something. And like, the only... Right. One of the only three animals, so, like... Oh, and dolphins are scary. Like, dolphins will, like, take things down and, like, pin them on the floor and rape them. Like, yeah. it's... 
Dolphins are kind of a fucked up animal, honestly. I think they're just sexually, they're just, they just, they just down a bone. And I think most of the dolphins are just, you know, they all. Different rules in the ocean, I yeah, guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. You just, it, it wants some fuck, get some fuck. That, that's how, right. in the ocean, that's how it'd be. And the dolphin's just not understanding why he's not getting some fuck. Right. Human. <laughs> Give fuck, you know. Give fuck yeah. now. Uh, so fair enough. Well, at least he got a handy. Good for him. Yeah. Bet he, I bet that gave him bragging rights. Yeah, human got a human hand. Gets back in the tank with the other dolphins. Hey, who, probably who, who'd going, you have sex with recently? Oh, yeah, just that other <laughs> dolphin over there. Or he like, might have oh, been going I got jerked a, off. a little bit crazy, to be honest. It's not like if it's enough, Especially since they're social creatures. If, yeah, if it, was, if it was enough water to wade in for a human, it sounds like the, the dolphin was left uh, in a little bit of a, a drop of water, and he probably just started right. going fucking crazy after a while. Yeah, like, well, and I believe dolphins typically, depending on the species and the area, I believe dolphins typically live in pods of at least 40. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so being... A social animal in a tiny tank with only one other thing to socialize with that doesn't even understand giving yeah. you some fuck. Yeah. Is, yeah, that must drive you a little bit crazy. He's probably just fucking over and he's like, at this point, I'm just going to fuck if I can. Right. Yeah. It's all I have to look for. You little dicky, let me freak. Right. <laughs> but Anyways. yeah, so that's lots of stuff about animals today. Thank you, Celine. It was all, it was wonderful pleasure to talk about animals. My favorite topic. Thank you. Alex, Alex looks really shell shocked per- by this information about I'm, the dolphin. I'm perplexed, but no, no, no. The, your piece actually, and I'll keep this brief. Remind me. So when I lived in Las Vegas back when I was like 22, 23, I actually, I actually dated like a dolphin trainer uh, who worked at the Mirage Hotel and Casino because they had they had a dolphin habitat there. And um, I'm just like I, I'm I'm puzzled. Like I'm trying to remember like important dolphin facts and stuff like that. But like I really fucking can't. But everything you've said on your piece today is actually like pretty consistent with like stuff that they've said. I remember mm-hmm. I can't c- commit to like memory uh, what my ex Natalie like used to tell me, but I just remember like, yeah, they are very social creatures and crap. And then also just like they have a lot of like personality. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually like really, really interesting. They like to get high. Mm-hmm. And they also, yeah. yeah, they told me like, yeah, with if the you fish. Yeah. Word up. Puff, pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're hogging the puffer fish. Give fucking <laughs> pass that shit. Dude. Dolphins are wild, yeah. <laughs> fucking straight up wild and what they did tell me though and like that it is conducive with your piece is like yeah if you want to like be in that field you have to have like at least a ba in psychology mm-hmm. oh interesting yeah so That's i thought fascinating i thought that was interesting yeah you, you have to have like at least a ba to be the trainer like you have to like actually have like a ba in psychology mm-hmm. and i'm like that's fucking trippy dude like whoa that really is that's interesting. You gotta like know the animals. I respect stuff. that. That's yeah. that seems like a good valid requirement. That's fascinating. That's that's all I gotta contribute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for letting me talk about one of my favorite topics. That's this is fun. Well, thank you guys for uh, taking the the brunt of the show. This way, uh, again, my topic today was kind of meh. I really didn't uh, have a ton of c- to contribute. I yeah, watched. you weren't really feeling the movies it was a weird, we watched. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. Sometimes, sometimes nostalgia you win. Nostalgia trip. Yeah, if nostal- you like that. Well, it's good though. So we're, we're we'll keep this under uh, eight minutes because we're we're about an hour anyway. So uh, the nostalgia trip. It wasn't a nostalgia trip because I'd never seen the movie before. Uh, Natural Born Killer, starring uh, Woody Harrelson and. Dude. Starring like everybody. Yeah, starring everybody. Uh, Qu- Kimmy from Full House yep, Kimmy- is the female lead. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Like, is a shit ton. Rodney of- Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. Rest in peace. So lots of talent. Yeah. They like just jammed all the talent into that movie. Yeah, it's 1994 originally. Uh, and so we were trying to piece together the the title sequence that we saw in the morning uh, this morning. 
or when we were watching it. And so what it was was is that the uh, screenplay or the the um, the it, it, the story it, the story was written by Quentin. T- the original screenplay was by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. So while it may have been uh, directed by uh, what's his face Oliver Stone, it, it was originally written by Quentin Tarantino. But they uh, Stone had revised the script so much that basically Tarantino had like disowned the film really like they, they fucked it up so bad so like that's why the movie was super interesting yeah like but you could tell like toward the the middle to the end definitely where, some tarantino at, yeah the movie had tarantino yeah. vibes yeah but ultimately like it just felt like really weird and kind of like elongated and i'm guessing that tarantino's original version probably uh made a lot more sense i would guess so yeah i got a little weird near the end of it i actually really enjoyed this movie but it was yeah good, yeah but yeah we did get to the a point at the end where there was like a half hour left and we were like, this seems like we've pretty much got the, got the memo. Yeah. They really like, they really dragged out the ending where like there's this prison riot, there's this prison break. And, um, impressively enough, again, like I love, um, Woody Harrelson, but Woody did a great, dude, he did a Mm -hmm. great job in the entire movie. He's, he has a great character. I mean, it's not, how old is the movie? I'm sorry. Do, 1994. Do, shit. Does Woody Harrelson have hair in the movie? He does. Ah! He does. Yeah. And, and then at the end, he shaves it too as part of his character. Mm-hmm. So the oh movie itself is basically these uh, the, uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, his, the co-star, uh, Juliette Lewis, uh, are the killers. And so they're serial killers, kind of like Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, she... Uh, Roddy Dagefield's her dad. There's a flashback, a very interesting style very flash. Very weird, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's like in this broken Intriguing. home. Uh, dad, dad, they, they essentially elude the dad, like, you know, molest they the child. They don't even elude. They make it very clear that dad, the dad molests, molests the child, the child beats her. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bad, like, they paint a bad picture. And then Woody Harrelson shows up as a meat deliverer, and he's got 50 pounds of beef. And uh, they, they meet in the house and that's how they, they meet each other and then eventually he gets put in prison and he gets out of prison somehow and then comes back because you know like they're in love and ultimately well they both get put in prison and then no, no, no no the first I, part the first oh, gosh, part gosh, yeah gosh. they do later but the first part is that Woody Harrelson goes to prison and then comes back once he breaks out or whatever and then kills uh, Rodney Dangerfield her dad and mom and uh, then they run off and start this Bonnie and Clyde journey. And the movie is just trippy. It's got fear and loathing vi- mm-hmm. like vibes all over it. Like it's just this weird. It's not your typical movie. It's very good. It's very good ultimately for the most part. Can I say what I liked so much about the or was interested so much by about the family situation? Well, that's good. Yeah. So it's obviously like it, it's a terrible family situation. You know, they make it clear that the dad is doing terrible things to the daughter. Dad makes it clear that he beats the wife you know, wife is basically just like, oh, shouldn't you not be quite so mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's just clearly a terrible family situation. But they tell this portion through like a sitcom lens. Yeah. It's like Rodney Dangerfield will say something just completely horrific. You know, he's calling the daughter a little bitch. Yeah. And there's a laugh track every time he says something terrible. Yeah, it was weird. What? Yeah, yeah. And it's got very like the way that it's shot has very sitcom vibes. Like it looks like a 90s sitcom mm-hmm. other than what's being discussed. Yeah. And I thought that that was just a I don't know. I, I felt like I feel like probably a lot of people who have experienced some type of trauma and relay it through the lens of humor yeah. as they get older. I feel like that would probably be somewhat relatable for them to be like ah this is horrible let's make a joke no well in the original releasing the box office it made um 
50 million dollars and it only cost them you know around like 30 30 30 million and so they, it was a box office hit but mm-hmm. critically it was like a hit or miss so the, there are a lot of people who loved the style and kind of like understood what it was about and then there was a lot of people who thought it was grotesque and overly violent so it was very which contra- like tarantino <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um I, I i almost wish he would go back and redirect this movie his style and i think it would probably be one of his 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 bangers because mm-hmm. it uh, I could see why he disowned it too. If I were Quentin Tarantino and I watched this the way it was filmed again, like it, the the acting was good, but I felt like the story was missed. Like there was opportunity, but mm-hmm. it, ultimately it was it was a good watch. Uh, it's it's obviously a, a banger. It's got so many a listers early on in the '90s before they were yeah, big a little hits. baby Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he's he's a grown man, but yeah. he's also a little, little baby face. It's wild. It's wild to see all these people in the in these roles. Um, but it was it was definitely it was definitely fun to watch, and and I would definitely recommend it. it again, the cinematography is probably what the most interesting fact is because they film things. And then intentionally cut back and forth between black and white. They cut. Mm-hmm. They cut to these projector scenes. I like shit like that. Oh, right, like the sitcom scene at one point kind of cut to like a film noir style, yeah. almost, and then cut back to sitcom. Yeah, there's all these Whoa. different flavors that aren't really explained. It's like this creative choice. And again, like I think if Quentin had been involved, it would have been a lot more cohesive. It really felt random. For the most part, like it really felt like these cuts were random. There wasn't really like mm-hmm. a specific emotion or a specific reason that these cuts were happening to these different styles, black and white. Uh, so there was a scene where they're driving with the car and they've got this projector screen of different, you know, avenues like them driving, but it's in black and white. So there's this clear like, you know, distance between what's going on in the foreground and this this random black and white projector screen that supposedly they're driving through but it's all very just kind of uh disassociated with each other which is again creatively it's interesting to watch but uh i think it lacked the ultimate like narrative that would be necessarily needed that quentin Mm -hmm. tarantino usually provides with his movies like uh pulp fiction and shit you know those movies right a totally disjointed story but wrapped so nicely that you yeah it's all cohesive at the end it's all cohesive and at the end of this movie like it it still didn't feel cohesive it just felt very like i'm trying to be yeah i'm trying to be weird and okay yeah like pulp fiction i feel like felt like a gift that somebody gives you that has a bunch of stuff in it where it's like you're pulling stuff out of the box and you're like, how does this relate yeah. to that? And, yeah. this word, and, that. Word up. and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, yeah. I see the theme. It's all coming together now. Yeah. Whereas this movie felt more like that gift that's got all of the random odds and ends but and you like miss, them all, right? missing pieces. Exactly. But you don't really get that nicely wrapped little gift bow on top that says, okay, these all these things ultimately all go together. Yeah. Creative like, license will do that. And like, I, I kind of get what you're saying because like, like Pulp Fiction was like what you call like a frame narrative. Yeah. Like there's different like segments and, and like different timelines happening in the same movie. So would you say that like, whereas like a Tarantino movie is very like static, like you get like, this is the big picture and you kind of get it uh, outside of Pulp Fiction, obviously. Right. But would you say this, this movie was very like dynamic? Like it definitely like it, the visuals changed a lot. Visuals changed yeah. a lot. The visuals yeah. changed a lot. But, but do you feel like it subtracted from the story because of that? It just lacked reason. Like again, so there was like, again, Tarantino's, Tarantino's movies when they're disjointed and, and random at the end, they all are tied together with the, Ah. with the last scene, everything makes sense. It's like, Oh, all of these people are intertwined in the same story. Mm -hmm. Whereas this thing felt disjointed, but there wasn't really a reason for it to be so disjointed. It just felt random. Right. Like it had a whole plot that made sense and it was linear, but it was also just 
yeah, stylistically, there was you more, can't quite tie it all together. Yeah, there was more style involved than than narrative, and I think it took away from the film. So okay, thank thank you for validating that because I wanted to hear your point of view on like you know just like the that visual aesthetic versus like what what the story and the plot are actually are because I feel like cinema is a big part of that like it's a visual experience, but then also like yeah, your plot has to make sense, your story has to make sense, mm-hmm. your beats have to make sense. Yeah. So on a scale of uh, one to five with point five is what, what do you both give the movie this week? Three. I'd say three point five. Solid three. Getting Word. closer to four. I actually quite liked it, but okay. I also just want to say one of my favorite scenes in it was when they kill Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> because first of all, they, they had the daughter do it, you know, mm. like Woody Harrelson was there and he helped by like whacking the, the dad on the back of the head with something. Tire iron. Yeah. With a tire iron. So he definitely helped. But it was the girl who took her dad and plunged his face into the fish tank. Yeah. And I liked that scene because at one point Rodney Dangerfield's face is in the fish tank and she's screaming at him. You know, all of the horrible things that he'd ever said to her. Mm -hmm. She's screaming at him and he's got his face in the fish tank and his eyes pop open and there's just fishes swimming in front of his face. I can imagine Rodney Dangerfield's eyes Mm -hmm. bulging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But I just, I first of all loved that she was the main driver on killing him because good, he deserved everything that happened. And then second of all, just the the visual scene of him in the fish tank yeah. with fishes in front of his face was just very visually pretty mm-hmm. considering the violence of the scene as well as just interesting to look at. Yeah, this movie was very pro um, pro getting revenge on on your attacker. Mm-hmm. And and so like there's a great message in it and then it goes overboard. Um, but it really did speak to like uh, taking taking control of your bad situation and not letting yourself be a victim. A bit and, like Girl with Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. So it is, it, is good, it is a good movie. Um, it was, again, 1994, so you got you got it, the Matrix shit. Like, you got to go before that. So it is <laughs> a really good movie, ultimately. Uh, I have no qualms with it. It just, again, I think maybe the fact that I learned that Quentin Tarantino disowned this movie has uh, has has kicked it down a notch. Right, your, your boy. Yeah. Was like, eh. Yeah. And I and I feel that I, I could see where he's coming from. So ultimately, good movie. Check it out. Natural Born Killers. Uh, this has been the March and Mitchell starring Celine Santa's Pun. Starring. Season Celine two, episode one. Awesome. Season two on the March and Mitch show. Literally. My old man said you ought to be more tactful. Face your attacker on the March and Mitch show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that's it. Cue the music. We're out. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks for listening.